Hey, it's Doug. Before the show starts, I wanted to pop over here and just say thank you. Thank you so much for being here week after week. Thank you for being you and listening to what I have to say. The fact that you even download this just means so much to me. If I could ever do anything for you, drop me an email, Doug at cruiseradio.net. Once again, thank you. So grateful and enjoy the show. This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Norwegian Escape this week. We'll also go over the 2018 Cruiser's Choice Destination Awards, see what islands people are really flocking to these days. Uh, let's see, what else? Sherry Laskin here with Cruise News. If you missed the big announcement that Carnival Cruise Line is going to turn Carnival Triumph into Carnival Sunrise in 2019, you could check that out. It's the show before this one. Or go to cruiseradio.net slash sunrise. All righty. Sherry Laskin is here from, uh, where are you, Portland today? Well, I am in Portland. It's been, uh, I'm on the go. <laughs> Tomorrow is Bellingham, Washington. It's amazing how you're, you're like just zigzagging, like we're playing connected dots with you around the U.S., then soon to be Alaska. So right to cruise news, busy cruise news week. Carnival Cruise Line, of course, had a major announcement yesterday. And let's just recap that for those who didn't hear it. Yeah, the major announcement was the Carnival Triumph is going to have a $200 million refurbishment and it will be renamed the Carnival Sunrise. Basically, it will be almost a sister ship to the Carnival Sunshine, which used to be the, De- the Destiny. They're also increasing the guest capacity to 230 more people with 115 staterooms. And of that, they're going to add three more of the upper-level suites, um, more scenic ocean view staterooms, and 32 balconies are going to be added. That's always interesting how they put a balcony on a stateroom. But mm-hmm. among other things, to bring the ship up to speed with the other um, ships in the fleet, they're going to add the uh, Fahrenheit 555 Steakhouse, of course, Guy's Pig and Anchor Barbecue is going to be there. The Red Frog Pub. Um, Waterworks is going to be ex- added and expanded. The Serenity Adults Only Retreat will be there. And they're enlarging the spa for those who like spas. The Cucino Del Capitano um, Italian restaurants there. So they're really, you know, doing... It's going to be a new ship. Carnival has also made a change to their embarkation process, and it looks like they have eliminated the those public health forms people were filling out, right? Yeah, they have. They are eliminating the public health forms that were on paper, and also the electronic versions. If you ever saw those, I never did. And you know, it kind of makes sense when you think about it, because uh, you know, I was always under the assumption that you had to had to fill those out and it was going to be turned into the CDC or someone that was checking these. So you had to always put your cabin number and all this. And were you sick? Were you not sick? Well, you know, I think a lot of people that spent thousands of dollars and landed with a sniffle, they weren't going to be honest on that from what I can deduce. So, um, yeah, they're getting rid of those. Um, They're just going to put signs up that says, if you're sick, don't come aboard and please wash your hands before you go into the restaurant type signs. It looks like Royal Caribbean is getting ready to update their booking policy. They are. Um, and, you know, it's, um, it's sort of an, something you won't really notice that much. In the past and up until November, if you opted for their non-refundable deposit program, which meant you had to book six months or further out, they would give $100 onboard credit for booking. 
Well, you know, they did a lot of, uh, they run those, all the charts and the spreadsheets, and they figured out it wasn't really helping people book further out. And, you know, they all they wanted to do really was get the money to, you know, get your deposit early so they could figure out the rest of the year. Um, so that's going away, uh, which is kind of sad. And also just, you know, they still have that non-refundable deposit program, which uh, if you decide to book under that, be sure you know what you're doing uh, and maybe buy their um, travel insurance. Because if you have to make a change, whether it's a date or a ship, there's a hundred dollar penalty per person for doing that, which is, you know, that's tough. That's, you know, you, if you book six months, seven months out, you might want to make a, a change. So just know what you're doing. And if you do take their insurance, then you will get a shipboard credit if you have to change. There's lots of little loopholes there. So uh, next here, Princess Cruises gave us a look uh, at their upcoming Sky Princess. What do they reveal? Sky Princess is going to debut in the Med in October of next year, 2019. And they're going to have, uh, they're building the first ever Sky Suites, which are pretty interesting. These are in the middle of the ship, up at the top, there will be two suites, and they're going to have the largest balconies uh, that Princess has ever created at 700 square feet. But the kind of cool thing about these are that because of the location, you'll be able to watch the movies, um, the movies under the stars screen. So um, be sure and get your popcorn. And, you know, it's kind of a nice thing. And also they're going to have a new feature called the Wake View Pool, which is kind of self-explanatory. It will be, of course, at the back of the ship at the aft. And in addition to that, there's going to be two new deep tank top deck pools. Okay. Um, Should be interesting. Uh, Maybe they'll have scuba lessons like they used to do. There's going to be a retreat pool, more hot tubs than the other Royal class ships have. And two of those will be cantilevered like they've done before over the deep tank pool. So um, sounds interesting. A lot of outdoor space is being created, I think. You know, the those sky suites remind me or kind of sound like those, uh, was it the reflection suites that we saw on Celebrity Reflection where they had those, remember the shower was out over the water? The glass shower, yeah. yes. That was that was a gimmick. That huh. was cute, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see, last but not least here. So a cruise line employee, kind of a weird story here with a not-so-good ending. Uh, cruise line employee kills a polar bear in the Arctic. What exactly happened here? Set this up. First of all, it was Hapag Lloyd. It's a German cruise line. It was the MS Bremen. And, I, you know, I even watched this exact same uh, cruise on one of those shows called Mighty Cruise Ships, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically, yeah, they make a landing in uh, the Arctic. Uh, you go ashore on uh, like a Zodiac, the, the passengers. But before the passengers are allowed to go ashore, they send four or five of uh, crew members that are trained to look for polar bears before, the, of course, the guests come ashore. Well, this time, the, the the security people went ashore, then they, they're armed with rifles. Now, when I watched this show, for some reason, I was under the assumption they were tranquilizers in the guns, not bullets. One of the guards missed spotting one of the polar bears, and it attacked the guard. Another guard came running over and had to shoot. I shouldn't say that. We don't know if he really had to shoot the polar bear, but he did. He killed the polar bear, and it's just been everybody survived. No one was killed except the polar bear. 
and, uh, you know, it's created quite a stir around the world. Basically, there's only 25,000 polar bears left, period. Mm. So everyone is important. Yeah, I don't want to editorialize this, but I think we know who was in the wrong here. So we're going to go to the listener question. It's from Megan. If I book a balcony room, can we sleep with the door open? The thought of the sea air sounds amazing. Yes, you can sleep with the door open. However, there's a couple of issues that occur. One, your air conditioning will probably actually be cut off. That's one problem. And the other one, of course, is that it creates this wind tunnel effect. And anybody in the hall within four or five staterooms on either side of you can hear this whooshing noise that goes on as long as your door is open. Yes, it's nice. And I know a few of my friends that do that. And, and you know, sometimes the wind isn't that bad where it doesn't blow everything towards the front door. But, but uh, just go, take, a, take a blanket and, and cuddle up on one, you know, curl up on one of your lounge chairs on the deck and, and do that and close the door behind you. Or drag your mattress out there. <laughs> We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Safe travel, Sherry. Thanks so much. See you next week. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at CruiseRadio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. We know you can't go on every single cruise. So we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Every year, CruiseCritic.com does the Cruiser's Choice Destination Awards. Joining us to talk about the 2018 awards is Chris Gray-Faust. She is the managing editor over at Cruise Critic. Hey, Chris. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good. It's been a few months since we talked last. I believe the last time we spoke, you were talking about your Disney cruise, right? I was, yeah. That was a lot of fun. It was fun to talk to you about it. And I'm stoked to have you on to talk about the Destination Awards because I like these awards because they're actually, they're picked by the cruisers themselves, the readers, the consumers, correct? That's exactly right. Um, the 2018 Cruisers Choice Destination Awards are are the uh, are ratings from our readers. They are voting for what destinations they like best. They pick out the ports, they rank them, and that's what we're presenting. Um, we also have Editor's Choice Awards, but this is from our readers themselves. Let's start with Alaska, because I don't know where you are, but down here in Florida, it's like 100 degrees. So let's cool off a little bit and uh, talk about some Alaska Awards. Oh, absolutely. And that's a great place to start because um, the port that won in Alaska, Glacier Bay National Park, was the most popular cruise destination overall. Like our readers voted that their favorite place to go every, anywhere in the world. So it's a good place to start. Now, I'm going to ask a stupid question. Glacier Bay National Park, are you actually docking somewhere to go there or are you just kind of sailing through the glaciers? 
You don't dock in Glacier Bay, but what it really is, it's the highlight of any Alaska cruise. The national park is gorgeous. There's just, there's about, there's several glaciers within the park. And what you do is you sail into the bay and you're just taking in all this beauty around you. Uh, the ships uh, go within a certain distance of the glaciers. You can, you know, see them uh, calving, like that, that's when part of the um, glacier comes off and you can hear it crackle. You can see the eagles flying around. You can see whales. It's really the highlight of an Alaska cruise. And it's not surprising to me that our readers love it so much. I love that uh, an Alaska cruise, even in the dead heat of summer in July or August, it is still like in the 50s during the evening time. Oh, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's really, for anybody who hasn't considered a cruise before, Alaska should definitely be on their list. It's one of those places that's really, it's almost best to see by cruise because Glacier Bay National Park is not a place that's really accessible by land. Mm -hmm. You can, if you were there on a land trip, you would never really be able to see the majesty of the glaciers the same way that you can on a cruise. And that's what makes it such an exciting cruise destination, I think, for our readers. Let's go down to the Caribbean and talk about some of those popular hotspots. The port that won in the Western Caribbean uh, was, for the first time, uh, was Havana, Cuba. And that's exciting because, as we all know, it, it's only been in recent years that you can sail to Havana. And so it's really exciting that our readers are, are responding to that and they're taking cruises to Havana and they're able to explore the Cuban capital and everything it has to offer. Let's talk about the best private island experience. Well, for the third year in a row, Disney's Castaway Key won. And, you know, who can, who can blame our readers for wanting to vote for that? Um, Disney, Castaway Key is, is really a gorgeous piece of, of uh, the Bahamas. It's a lovely island. Disney really has a great setup for families and for adults, too. There's a significant area set aside on the island for adults as well. And it really has everything that families are looking for in a private beach stay experience. It has cabanas. It has snorkeling. It has plenty of beach chairs. It's got food options. You know, really everything that a family could want. What's your favorite part about Castaway? The quality of the sand and and just how beautiful the water is there, it's just really got that Bahamas appeal that that you love and what you've seen in postcards. And I also really love the fact that when you're la- you know, kind of lazing out there on the main beach at Castaway, you can see your ship, and that's always really fun, too. I think it's fun to get pictures and that type of thing. Does Castaway feel like an authentic like beach experience or does it feel more artificial i'm just trying to like my mind goes to disney how everything's kind of brought to a larger scale is it pretty authentic there well, I think what Disney does best is they really, you know, Disney is known for bringing out sort of the best in in any place that they go or any sort of thing that they they do. They really kind of take what a region is known for and kind of amplify it. Mm-hmm. So, it does, you know, is it I wouldn't say that it seems artificial, but does the does it seem does everything seem a little bit cleaner perhaps than it might in another part of um other other islands um yeah it probably does um you know you have some good i mean one thing that you always get on castaway key too is that you know it's very much um people are very happy you know disney always hires people that are very service oriented mm-hmm. so um i know when you're busy with a family that's really important and how about eastern caribbean 
Well, King's Wharf in Bermuda won, and that's all. That's also a favorite with our readers. It is one in other years too. And uh, what what what's so great about a Bermuda cruise, as you probably know, is that many ships will go there for three days. You know, they sail. There's a couple sea days to get there. They stay for three days, and then they come back, which means that you really have time to explore uh, Bermuda on your own time. And I think uh, readers really respond to that. You know, I so I just went to Bermuda for the first time back in June, and I have to say, I, I only I did a long weekend cruise out of New York City, so I was only there from like eight to five o'clock, and so we did not overnight. But it makes me want to book my next cruise to Bermuda definitely an overnight because there's so much to see, and just those eight hours there wasn't nearly enough. Yeah, it's it's truly gorgeous. We have time for one more. Let's talk about uh, Hawaii. Oh yeah, Hawaii is great, huh? <laughs> Who doesn't like Hawaii? Right. Uh, the port that won in for Hawaii is the island of Kauai, which is known as sort of the nature island of Hawaii. Not that any of the other islands in Hawaii don't have gorgeous nature. But I think that when people go to Kauai, there's really kind of a sense of uh, peacefulness and just uh, immersion in the greenery that you p- might not get in, on some of the other islands. Okay, so you had 18 regions in this Cruiser's Choice Awards for this, uh, this year. Like, what, Did one cruise line really dominate them? You know, you're, it's interesting that you say that because Celebrity won nine of the 18 destinations. They were picked as the winner as providing a great experience in nine different regions where cruise ships go. Uh, they won for all of the Caribbean regions, which includes Eastern Caribbean, Western Caribbean, and Southern Caribbean. Uh, they also took the top slot in Alaska, Asia, and Australia. So they're clearly putting out a product that our readers are really responding to in a big way. And for a full rundown of the 2018 Cruiser's Choice Destination Awards, you can check out cruisecritic.com. We'll also link to it in the show notes over at cruiseradio.net. Been talking with Chris Gray Faust, managing editor at Cruise Critic. Chris, always good talking to you. Great talking to you, Doug. Thank you. This is Cruise Radio. So Matt just got back from a seven-night cruise on Norwegian Escape. He went down to Bermuda and back, and Matt joins us on the line right now. Hey, Matt. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good, bud. So uh, you did a seven-night cruise on Escape um, from New York City. So give me some pre-cruise thoughts before you actually uh, embarked on Escape. Like, what made you want to book this cruise and this itinerary? So uh, about 18 months ago, I was uh, starting to plan a, a group cruise for the Facebook group that I run called Cruise Life Group. I was trying to to keep it in the New York area. Uh, I'm, I'm located in Connecticut, so I was trying to avoid flights and all that good stuff. I expected a good amount of the people that were going to come on it to be from from the Northeast, so I was trying to just you know save everybody that hassle. And this was right around the time that the escape was announced that it was coming to New York City. Um, so I was pretty excited because I was originally torn whether or not I wanted to sail from New York or sail the escape again. And it ended up just kind of coming all together. So that's how, how we picked it. I did sail uh, solo uh, on this, obviously part of the group. But, uh, I did stay in the, the studio cabins. I think I had mentioned to you a couple weeks back about the, uh, the, the solo supplement being waived on a couple sailings before mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was kind of prepping myself before, you know, before the cruise a little bit to, to, to possibly make that decision to move. Fortunately, I never had to make it. Uh, my sailing, they never dropped the, the solo supplement. So I stuck with the studio. And, and I'm glad I did because, I, I, A, I've never experienced it before. And, B, it ended up being a great experience. So I have a question then. So uh, actually two questions. The first one, you booked it right when they announced New York City. Is it actually cheaper at that point and the price goes up from there? 
Yeah, so so interestingly, the price barely ever changed. I think it may have gone up about $50 at one point, but it literally never moved over a year and a half. Uh, the mm-hmm. most that ever moved was $50. And you booked the studio. Now, if you were to book a regular inside cabin, um, pricing that against the studio, what would come out better for a single person? For a single person, definitely the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, I think it was a, a, probably around 150 Fifty percent of a, a you know a, a, a double occupancy rate in an inside cabin, so it, it definitely was the cheaper option. I never saw anything come up cheaper. So you made your way from Connecticut down to New York City. How was your embarkation on Norwegian Escape? It was relatively smooth. Um, I've I've kind of had bad experiences in Manhattan in the past. Um, I, I don't know if it's just my luck or uh, just that the the terminal isn't laid out as as great as some of the the, the newer terminals down in Florida and whatnot. But it, it went pretty smooth. Uh, it wasn't too busy when we got there. Uh, I want to say we got there around 10 o'clock. And by the time we got through security, got through check-in, it was probably about 10.30. Mm-hmm. And they started boarding right on the dot at 11.30. Okay. Um, however, I was, I was trying to make some dining reservations, and they have a, a, a line in the terminal where you can make some of your dining reservations before you actually even get on board. And I had waited in the line for about 45 minutes and I was like two people away and they called my boarding zone. I decided to stay in the line and get my, my dining done. And and then I just boarded with a later zone. But um, I I think we were on a little bit before noon. Okay. Uh, Everything went relatively smooth as far as that goes. So you've mentioned uh, you've sailed Norwegian escape back in 2016. What were your impressions this time around? pretty much the same. I, I loved the ship the first time around. I, you know, I mentioned I was in the Haven the first time, so it's a bit of a different experience, but a lot of, a lot of the same. I mean, a lot of the things I liked the first time around, uh, the dining experience, the pool deck hasn't changed, obviously. It's still crowded. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, everything was kind of, you know, up to par as, as I would have expected. Uh, one, one thing that I, I enjoyed a bit more this time was a little bit more of the nightlife. You know, sailing with a group, uh, I, I tend to stay out a little bit later than, you know, if it's just my, my wife and I or me and my family sailing. Mm-hmm. I know some people, um, they go straight to the desk to try to get that vibe pass. Do you do that? Uh, I did not. Pre-cruise, I was debating between trying to get vibe or getting a spa pass mm-hmm. uh, to the thermal suite. Uh, I decided to go with the spa pass uh, just because I could book it ahead of time um, and and I was in this. I had the spa pass last time I was on the ship, and I really enjoyed it. So I kind of decided to go that route. Plus, nobody else in my group was planning on getting uh, the vibe pass, so it would kind of be, uh, you know, counterintuitive for me to go on a, a group cruise and me be the only one in there. <laughs> what? Uh, which one sells out quicker, vibe or spa? Definitely vibe. Um, I, you know, you you can even though you can book uh, the spa pass ahead of time pre-cruise. Uh, whereas vibe, you can't. You have to, you know, basically run to to headliners specifically on the escape and and try to get it. Um, and and I think there's there's a lot more spot passes available than there are vibe passes. What's the first thing you did when you got on the ship? First thing we did was head down to one of the two main dining rooms. Mm-hmm. I believe we were in Saver. Both of them are open on uh, embarkation day for lunch. Uh, I, I try to avoid the whole buffet uh, area on embarkation day. It's just a little too crazy for me. You don't like to go to Sheehan's for lunch? I ate there a number of times, okay. but mostly late night. 
I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So you mentioned you booked a studio stateroom. So that's the uh, the special area, the studio area, the solo area that Norwegian puts together. Talk to us about that whole experience and about your stateroom. Like they're like what a hundred square feet. Yeah, they're a hundred square feet. I mean, for one person, I thought they were more than sufficient. Um, I probably only used about fifty percent of the storage available in in the cabin. I do tend to travel light. I, I was only with a. Uh, carry-on size suitcase and a backpack. So um, obviously on the light side, but I, like I said, I only used probably about 50% of it. Um, there was two closets where you could actually, you know, put uh, hanging type clothes. Um, and I only used one of them. But yeah, mo- more than enough storage. The the bathroom or the toilet area and the shower are, are separated. Uh, the shower is like literally right in the cabin. And I, I mean, it, it was it was great for one person. I, I had no complaints. I mean, as far as like, uh, you know, the normal amenities in, in the cabinet stuff, the only thing that uh, I think it doesn't have compared to like the, you know, an inside cabin or ocean view or balcony would be uh, a mini fridge. Um, I, I think that's the only amenity really that it's missing. Okay. Yeah, um, that's, that's not bad at all. How about the, um, like the common area? Because isn't there like a special common area just for the solo cruisers? Yeah, so there is a studio lounge and, and that's actually something that I, I took advantage quite a bit. Um, they're, uh, they have like a, a lot of seating area, uh, with, you know, little tables and, you know, like couches and benches and stuff. Um, uh, but they also have, uh, a little area set up with like, uh, water, juice, coffee, uh, like light snacks, uh, depending on the time of day the the snacks would, would, uh, alternate a bit. Um, but it, it was kind of perfect for like early morning or late night. If you didn't want to run all the way up to the garden cafe, mm-hmm. coming back to the cabin at night, grab a glass of water, something you probably always forget to yes. forget to do. And, uh, it, it was just really convenient. It also was a great place to, to just like, uh, you know, I had a couple friends who were also in the studios and I'd be like, you know, Hey, I'm ready to head wherever just meet me in the lounge so instead of like going to each other's cabins or whatever we would just meet up in the lounge is it a controlled access area it is but um, i'm gonna tell you the the door probably 80 percent of the time was was a jar okay um and so it was it was almost guaranteed you could just get in Let's switch gears here and talk about um, about dining on board, of course, Norwegian Cruise Line, freestyle cruising, eat where you want, when you want. So, uh, you know, let's start uh, start at the, what is it called, the Garden? The Garden Cafe. There you go. How was yeah, that? That's, that's, their, uh, that's their, their standard buffet. Uh, I, I, Norwegian, I think, does really good with, with their buffets. Um, I, I feel like they have a, a very good selection and variety. I mostly only ate lunches and probably one or two breakfasts in there. Um, I, I didn't uh, go there for dining at all. Well, you know what? Let's just talk about, did you dine like in Saver or did you kind of bounce around from there as well? So I ate in the main dining rooms twice, once in uh, Saver, once in the Manhattan room. Saver, we had uh, kind of our big group dinner where the entire group, we all we all dined together. And that was the only time that we went in Saver. Um, and then another night, there was uh, a handful of us who went into the Manhattan room. Um, all the other nights I was in specialty dining. Okay, well, talk to us about some of those specialty restaurants. You just kind of bang through them one by one. Yeah, so pre-cruise, I had bought a a three-night specialty dining plan. So for those three nights, we dined in Tapanyaki, Cagney's, which is their steakhouse, and Moderno, which is their uh, Brazilian steakhouse. Those All three were, were really, really good, but Tapanyaki definitely stuck out to me. About half of our group who, who all dined together, and we kind of had our own private table, um, and it was just, it was fun and the, the food was phenomenal. 
What made the teppanyaki um, really stick out to you? The the food itself, I had gotten scallops and shrimp, and I, it just the 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 flavor and the the presentation were just amazing. And obviously, also it's kind of a a good type of restaurant to go to with a group. It just kind of adds the social atmosphere of everybody and. You know, you're watching them cook in front of you, and they're singing and telling jokes and, and all that good stuff. Talk to us about the entertainment, uh, but before we talk about that, who was the cruise director? Alvin. Alvin? Okay. How was he? He was good. He was pretty visible throughout the day, you know, at the, the pool deck activities and, and obviously at the, the nighttime parties and, and all that kind of stuff. Not overbearing, though. Uh, you know, I, I don't recall, you know, being annoyed by all his announcements or anything like that. So I think it was a, it was a good feel that I got from him. Cool. And uh, how about the entertainment around the ship, the shows, the comedy clubs, the music, all that good stuff? I'll start off by saying I didn't go see any of like the theater production shows. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not my thing. We spent uh, a lot of time in Howl at the Moon, which is the, the du- uh, dueling pianos. That was very, very entertaining. There may or may not be uh, a video of me up on stage dancing <laughs> like Magic Mike. <laughs> it was very fun. Um, we attended all of the Spice H2O parties. Uh, so on night one, there was a welcome aboard party night two. There's a Norwegian's night out, uh, night three, there's a eighties party, uh, night four, there's a nineties party. Uh, the only night there isn't a party out on spice H2O was uh, night five. Uh, they have a crew party out there. So we kind of stuck to howl at the moon and, uh, skyline bar that night. The biggest party of the week is, is glow. Uh, that's on night six. It was absolutely packed out there. So much fun. The energy was just crazy. And then, uh, sadly, on night seven, they have a farewell party. I'd say for, for, for me and my, my group, our, our favorites were probably Glow and the 90s party. The Norwegian night out was pretty good as well. The, the 80s party was really heavily attended. It's just not kind of my, my genre of music. And we, we eventually left semi-early from there. As far as like late night, uh, the Skyline Bar just off of the casino is where the quote-unquote nightclub is. Um, that was pretty much always happening until probably close to 3 in the morning. Um, I think that's when they finally uh, you know, shut everything off. I want to ask you a question about, um, you said the Skyline Bar was close to the casino. Um, is Norwegian Escape one of those ships where the cigarette smoke is a little bit of an issue? It's a little bit. Uh, I, in Skyline, I never really noticed it, but um, definitely if you're, you're standing, you know, in like uh, the, the six, seven, eight atrium, you know, mm-hmm. they have there. If you're standing up on the railing uh, on deck eight, you're, you're definitely smelling a little bit of the smoke from below. I'm not super sensitive to that, but uh, you, you definitely notice it a little bit. Anyway, how was the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion is concerned? Obviously, almost on every cruise ship, the, the pool deck is a little crazy on sea days. I, the first sea day was a little slow for me. I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time out by the pool. The second sea day, though, I was out there pretty much the entire day. You could find chairs if you just ventured a little bit. Obviously, right around the, the immediate pool area, it's the whole chair hog thing going on. Although, I, I did so, see some policing of it. They would put a sticker on, and you know, if they came back at whatever whatever time uh, they, they put on the sticker and, and nobody had been there, they would just remove every, all their stuff. It was a good atmosphere. It was a good mix. It wasn't like crazy like spring break partying, but there was definitely people who wanted to have fun. Of course, the big highlight of this cruise for you was Bermuda. How was that? Because I got to say, being you know going to Bermuda a couple of months ago, I was very jealous of your photos. Yeah. So first off, the weather, I, you could not have paid to have more perfect weather. I, it, it blew me away how nice it was. Um, it wasn't like crazy hot. It was sunny. 
we may have had like an occasional like two minute shower, you know, a couple times, but um, that was pretty much it. Um, the the entire time we were in Bermuda. Uh, on day one, uh, I took the ferry over to Hamilton. Uh, I, I had never been over there before, uh, so I just kind of wanted to check it off the list. Um, I don't know that I would go back there again. It, it definitely was a great day for, uh, you know, photo ops and that kind of thing. Um, I got some great shots of the, the ships in port, you know, while we were on the ferry, uh, kind of just a little bit of a different perspective than, you know, just standing next to them on the pier. There's definitely some good photo opportunities over in Hamilton. Not a ton to do. I mean, it's, you know, it's, there's some shopping, but I, I wouldn't really suggest going shopping in Bermuda. Everything's expensive. We went into a, a local bar and had some rum swizzles and stopped for a quick bite to eat uh, just to hold us over until we got back to the ship. And, and that was pretty much it on, on day one. On day two, did a catamaran tour with Restless Native. This was probably definitely the highlight of our, our time in Bermuda. Think about probably 75 to 80 percent of my group, we actually all did this excursion. It was super fun. Obviously, the, the weather uh, lent itself to, to, you know, to having a good experience with it. And, you know, we just you could do like activities like snorkeling and paddleboarding and kayaking if you wanted to. I didn't really partake in any of that. Some of our group did, but some of us just hung out in the water. They have little noodles so you can just float there and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just uh, come around with refills of rum, rum swizzles and uh, definitely a nice relaxing day. On day three, I think all aboard was like 2.30 p.m. So I, I didn't venture too far. I did a little, uh, you know, shopping for souvenirs and whatnot for for my family. And, uh, then on, you know, around like noontime or so, a bunch of our group headed over to Calico Jack. Uh, that's like the, they have like a floating pirate ship, right? Like right at the port area there. And, uh, so we spent some time there and I think I headed back to the ship around, I don't know, one thirty or so. That pirate ship is fun, right? Did you, did you jump off the, uh, get some video of yourself jumping off the pirate ship, walking the plank? Uh, it, it is super fun, but no, I did not go off the plank. Oh, Man, you missed out. So you were there for three days. So was it you boarded in New York City, you had one day at sea, three days in Bermuda, and one day back? Two days at sea in front of Bermuda. Okay, gotcha. And then one day back. Yep, Okay. So you make your way back to Manhattan. How was your debark? Uh, Debark was okay. It was, uh, uh, you know, we made the mistake of kind of trying to get off in what I'd call prime time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did do, uh, you know, self-debarkation where we just carry our bags off. Um, and we probably waited a good 45 minutes in line to get off the ship. Um, it, it was not smooth at all. And customs getting off wasn't too bad. I, they've alleviated a lot of that by not um, requiring the forms anymore. So you kind of walk up, they look at your passports, they kind of ask you one or two questions and you're on your way. So you said prime time. What time would that be in your in your eyes? So we tried to get off about nine o'clock. Okay. We obviously doing self debarkation. We could have you know tried to get off much earlier, um, but you know we we're just taking the train home, so we didn't have flights to catch, and we just decided not to rush. Um, in hindsight, we probably should have either rushed or waited till the very last minute. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's what, like the past couple of times I've sailed out of New York City, I was always the first person off, well, one of the first people off during disembarkation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, probably, I think the quickest time I had was from ship to curb was seven minutes on, um, on horizon. If you go right away, uh, you can, you can certainly do that. 
But then again, like not everybody wants to hurry up and get off the ship and sit there and wait at the airport or the train station, right? Exactly. I mean, the last night's always a, a toss-up. Do I <laughs> do I go to bed and get up early, or do I extend my vacation to the very last minute and and uh, you know yeah. regret staying up till two in the morning? Exactly. So, uh, any first-time tips you have for people sailing Norwegian uh, escape? Definitely attend the the, the nighttime parties in Spice H two O. A lot of fun times in there. Definitely, I didn't mention this before when we were talking about dining, but uh, I dined two nights in Food Republic. Probably my absolute most favorite restaurant on any Norwegian ship. It's just phenomenal. Definitely check out the water slides. I did the free fall slides where the the, uh, floor drops out from under you. One thing I didn't do the first time I sailed on the escape was the ropes course. Uh, I did it this time, but I discovered it's not really my thing. Second I got up there, I was kind of plotting my course to the, the quickest way to the exit. I'm glad I did it, but uh, maybe sort of the type of thing, you know, check it out and, and see if it's for you. Definitely check out Howl at the Moon, uh, probably my group's favorite venue uh, as far as nighttime activities. We've been talking with Matt. He just returned from a seven-night Bermuda cruise aboard Norwegian Escape. Matt, thanks for being on the show. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.